All right, everybody, we just got done recording an episode, and now we're going back and recording the intro for the episode. I know it's weird. We're just letting you into the the production notes of how this podcast works. Yeah. But I've been waiting for this intro <laughs> because Jason told me, he's like, I have something to tell you. And I'm like, what is it? He's like, I'm saving it for the intro. I'm like, you stole, son of I, a gun. I have oversold it to you. Dang it, Jason. I'm <laughs> so excited. You've been waiting I'm, patiently with anticipation. Uh, well, we first of all, let me tell this. I went to the jail with Ernesto, Genesee County Jail. Uh, Ernesto, part of, Ernesto's been on the podcast yep. multiple times. Flint City Church. I went there um, as part of Forgotten Man Ministries. We go into the jail. We preach to the inmates. We sing to the inmates. We share Jesus with the inmates. And so the way it works is there's two pods, Alex. and Two sides. We do two services for the inmates. Pod one comes out, we do service for the inmates. Pod two comes out after that, and we do service for the inmates. Same service twice. We're there for two hours. Well, they go to release pod one, and nobody wants to come out. He's And the guard tells us, he's like, well, there's not very many people in there. So um, there's just, they don't want to come out. And it's like, oh, that's fine. He's like, I'll go ask pod two. And the moment he walks out the door to go ask, the guard in charge of pod two, we hear code green, code green, code green. <laughs> and officers and guards start pouring out from everywhere, running into the second oh pod. Oh, my word. And this guard wa- is walking by with a trustee. So inmates are all dressed in orange. Trustees are guys who inmates on good behavior. Yeah. And Ernesto and one other guy was with us. And we're sitting in the multi-purpose room. And the guard walks by and he puts the trustee in our room. And he's like, ah, no, you're going to sit in the hallway. <laughs> he moves him to the hallway. He's like, I'm locking you guys in. So he locks us in. And the guards, I mean, within seconds, they bring out this guy, this younger guy who is just all amped up after a fight. I mean, a fight broke out in, in the pod. And he was staring us down. On the other side, I was the most intimidated I have ever been going to the jail. I've been to the jail like I've never had that happen. Fifteen, the jail. twenty times maybe to go play music and stuff. And I'm glad Jess didn't come with me on this particular occasion because this guy is just staring us down. And then they bring out four other guys, and the last guy they bring out is this big giant bald dude who's just sobbing. He's got snot halfway down to the ground because he got a direct hit from the pepper spray. Oh no. And they get all this situated and everything. And they open us, they unlock the doors to us. Cause we're just locked in watching this whole thing. All the walls are glass. We're just taking it all that in. That must have been insane. It, it was insane. And, uh, they open the doors and we immediately get hit. In the back of our throat with the the pepper spray. Oh like, man! We all start coughing and stuff, and we wait like ten minutes. And the guard comes in. He's like, "Yeah, they're not coming out of their pods today. Sorry, guys." So we didn't get to um, we didn't get to share Jesus on this day. We did have some great conversations with the guards in there, um, but I had a conversation with Ernesto in there while all this was going on. Nesto's at a Flint church conference. And other Flint area churches are there. And it so happens that the church you and I attend is opening another Flint location. Or a Burton, just outside of Flint location. And uh, one of the guys, 
um, from a different church, you know, is talking about our church and saying, doesn't their worship leader have that podcast, that that <laughs> Not Your Pastor's podcast? And the other one's like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, he swears on there. I hear them swear. <laughs> well, f- <laughs> so apparently one of us is a worship leader who works at the church which is just 100 percent untrue not true we're not affiliate this podcast is not in any way shape or form affiliated with our church other than that we are in large part thankful to the leadership of our church who have taught us many things yep that's about it that's about it i mean and a lot of the good content that you hear echoed on this podcast is because of things that they taught us. A lot of the bad stuff, like the swearing, was not. That's just us being honest and real. I learned that from f- Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who shall remain nameless. <laughs> Except his, you know, his last name. That uh, is funny. Yeah. That is so that is so funny and one of their worship leaders has his podcast not your pastor's podcast and he swears <laughs> so going to our last like episode, is it me or you i don't know it could be either one because none of i want to know what church i just i want to invite him to coffee i yeah. want to like straighten some things out and be like sorry dude yeah i mean not a worship leader you got that wrong that part, but we're going to have a, we we keep teasing an episode on swearing. You and I keep putting it off because it just seems ridiculous. It's like, I don't want to do it. Like, so I, I, I'll, I want to do it, but at the same time, I don't want to do it because I feel like I'm, I don't know if I want to even give credence to the conversation because yeah, I, don't it, feel I feel like, like any, it's been talked about so much. It has. Every podcast has talked about this, but I feel like now more than ever, we're going to have to do it at some point. I feel going back to last week that. I wonder if that guy's saying we're not saved because we swear, which probably makes me want to do the episode even more because we got to work on some things, son. <laughs> Whomever you may be, church guy, we we need to we need to. The we, fact that he he said that we swear is like, oh, wait, he's a listener. Yeah, he's been listening. <laughs> yeah, he's been listening. <laughs> anyway. We got a great episode today. Yes. So apart from all of our shenanigans uh, and the swearing, yeah, Brandon Andrus is on the podcast. Second time, return S- guest. Return guest. He is... I always enjoy when Brandon comes on. Yeah. I really do. I, he is the nicest guy on the internet. Yeah. Uh, you tabbed him that last time we had him on. And he... He's a Jesus guy. Yep. He's a Jesus guy. First and foremost. And his book, Beauty and the Wreckage, makes me have all the feels. (laughs) I'm not 100% sure what that phrase means. It could be sexual. All the emotions. I'm not not intending it for it to be that way. It's, you know, sometimes you just got to start the damn episode. (laughs) Because it's late. All right, guys. So, hey kick back listen to two guys who were never worship leaders nope. or pastors nope. neither one and you're going to listen to an awesome gentleman talk to two buffoons this is not your pastor's podcast
today we have maybe the most beautiful man on the internet. I thought it was the nicest. Could he's he be the both? Nicest? nicest man on the internet. I was just, but also handsome. Brandon, I'm, I, I was reading your book, and I was I was going over parts of it today. And he's a yeah. hiker. And he hikes. I I I was thinking if there was anybody who deserved to wear a flannel and have a beard and carry an axe, <laughs> it's Brandon Andrus. Like I don't, I'm a fraud. Yep. Like. I swung an yeah. axe once, and I almost took out my legs. I was trying to <laughs> chop off a branch while standing on a ladder, and I missed the branch, and it swung, and I almost took out my That's ankles. That's just not safe. No, it was not. Oh, my god! Who was swinging the axe? Was it Jess, or was it you? It was me. I did it to myself <laughs> while nobody was looking, but it's, it happened. But I feel, uh, like, but... I feel like you, you are a true mountain man. I am, yeah. <laughs> like, know, I told I, I told my wife last week that because my birthday was last week and she was like, "What do you want for your birthday?" And I said, "You know, I don't have a flannel, but that would be really awesome." So <laughs> I've been thinking about it. I've got a bunch you can borrow. <laughs> I used to have a lot in the '90s, but you got rid of those. Back in your after. Nirvana cover band. <laughs> exactly. You know, what? Pearl, Pearl Jam cover band. Yeah. What happened to me today was I you know, I work in a very professional office setting and I, I, my job is I'm half the jobs at the computer and then a, a handful of times I'll walk out into the shop, you know, and I've gotten so many nice clothes dirty that I don't wear nice clothes to work unless I know big customers are coming in. But today I'm growing my hair out long too. So I'm wearing a flannel. My hair's all crazy, and somebody from IT comes in, also wearing a flannel, about the same age, with crazy hair. And my manager just stopped dead in his tracks. He's pointing at me and pointing at him and pointing at me. It's like, it's like I probably look terrible because this guy looks terrible. So He's like, Jason, where's your tie? Yeah. <laughs> put, a, put a tie on with that flannel. I told him I should have walked up to the guy and said, brothers don't shake hands. <laughs> And just gave him a hug. I don't even know who he was, but uh, so in Metamora, Brandon, uh, yeah, Metamora, Michigan, where I grew up, and that's where I went to church and got the church I got saved at. And we decided, my best friend Luke and I, to wear flannels. But then his mom said, "Well, those aren't fancy enough for Sunday clothes, so we wore ties with the flannels." <laughs> that is nice. Oh, that's straight from the hey, red do you have green pictures? show. Do you have pictures? No, we did not get pictures. Of course, you don't have pictures. <laughs> Jeez. There's no reason why happened. we can't wear ties with our flannels. They may have been clip-on ties too. <laughs> You guys are going to start something, I know. Yeah. But anyway, we're not here to talk about flannels, although we could do a whole podcast about it and probably do pretty well because Brandon Andrus is with us. Yeah, Brandon, <laughs> I wanted to ask you, though, like, how many trips have you gone on and where have you been, like, hiking-wise? Yeah, right. So I think that I've done it for the last decade, and it seems like that each trip has gotten progressively more adventurous and daring. And so initially we started off with smaller trips and we did some Colorado, we did some Northwest Arkansas, we did some Ozarks. And then Ooh. from that point, uh, we kind of upped the game and we've done a couple of um, Alaskan trips, you know, trailless, in navigating using just, um, you know, maps and things like that. We did a, we did like a five day deep Grand Canyon trip, which was really incredible. We did 110 miles on the John Muir, which was nice. We just got back from, 
Canada. We went to Alberta and did Jasper, 100 miles there. And a couple of years ago, we went to the Wind River Range in Wyoming, which was really, really super epic. So, yeah, each year we just talk about what the next trip's going to be and try to improve on the last one. And it just seems like that it gets more daring. And I, I, I've got a limit, though. I mean, I am getting older. So I keep telling the guys that as long as I have the legs and the knees, then I'm just going to keep on doing these hard, rigorous uh, backpacking trips. And then maybe whenever I can't, then I'll do the easy ones. But until then. Yeah, you should come up to Michigan and do like a day hike of pictured rocks, all 40 miles of it. That sounds oh, like yeah, right that up would your be alley. Incredible. <laughs> Yeah, we've t- <laughs> <laughs> pictured rocks. Oh my goodness! What is the? Uh, do you guys know about Isle Royale? Yes, yeah. Isle Royale MVP? is sweet. Yeah, have you been? So that's one of the. No, no, no. Keep that's one of the places. Yeah, we keep hearing about it, and and I definitely know that there's not a ton of elevation. So that's like a trip that I've put on the back end whenever I get a little older. <laughs> it's just super like, it's in it's an island in Michigan, and there's like nothing on it. It's like yeah, eleven miles a- long. My buddy, my buddies went on it, and they they took a GoPro with them, and they he made like a little movie out of all this all the oh, stuff that nice. they did. So it was a trip I could not go on. Oh Sucks. man, yeah. You know, I mean, I'm I'm really itching to get up in the UP. I mean, it just sounds like I, I love Michigan anyway. I'm in Indiana, so uh, you know, usually every other year or a cup, maybe even a couple of times a year, we'll try to swing up there and hit uh, Lake Michigan and. Man, Michigan has my heart. Yeah. I love it. It's beautiful. We like every time we go on vacation, we almost never leave the state. Just go to the west side of the state. It's yeah. Like, oh, our, this is great. Oh yeah. Really good. Jess and I were just up in Marquette for a roller derby tournament and that was just that I mean it's not like we went hiking or anything. It's just being away from the city and seeing the stars at night. Oh, and man. just being on the beach in the middle of the night with I mean, just miles of perfect sandy beach, nobody else around and just it's it it's perfect the stars yeah. it was incredible i think the most like off-road like <laughs> trip that i've ever been on uh when our band was on tour we printed off all the directions prior on MapQuest because the gps wasn't a thing yet and we got lost <laughs> just outside of monrovia indiana in a cornfield <laughs> where it sounds like the beginning of a bad story jess is the worst navigator because she would sit shotgun and then she'd be like, okay, the next turn is in, is in four miles. And then we go, we get four miles down the road. She's like, oh, I'm sorry. It was 0.4 miles <laughs> as, as we're taking like two like mud tracks into the middle of a cornfield in the middle of nowhere. Oh, that's great. But, oh, yeah, that's man. the extent of my outdoorsman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Driving a band van through a cornfield. Well, it- at least you have the beard and the flannel. You're halfway there. I know. It. Yeah. I, as long as I look the part. <laughs> That's so awesome. So, Brandon, you have a book coming out soon. I do. So what is, the, what is the book about? Because that's what we really came here to talk about. Brandon's got things to say, and he wrote them in a book. So let's talk about it. Yeah, the book's called Beauty and the Wreckage, Finding Peace in the Age of Outrage. And, you, you know, I... Fitting There's title. just so much division. What's that? It's a fitting title for the the current for what I, the antidote, I guess, to what we're uh, facing right now in our current culture. Yeah, there there was so much going on in my life last year personally, and then on top of that, 
politically, um, you know, obviously everything in our country and all of the tensions and divisions and hatreds and animosities and just everyone's at, ev- at each other's throats. And, you know, it just kind of felt like, I don't see know, it. I, I don't see it, Brandon. I don't know. If I'm... <laughs> yeah. Everything's hunky dory in Michigan. <laughs> So I didn't mean to derail you. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I just started thinking about, you know, in, in my life, um, there's kind of that meta narrative, that larger picture. And then there's kind of what I'm going through personally all happening at the same time. And we can get into some of that later. But I just I had a moment. I think it was in 2016. I was, you know, just sitting, I think, in an office and I had like these two days of just. I, I, it's inexplicable, just profound joy for no reason, just, just presence and joy. And it, it was just, it felt like a download. I can't explain it any other way. And I got out my phone and I just started taking notes and I ended up writing like eight pages of notes of just like things that were coming to my mind. And out of that, I thought, you know, I think I'm going to write a book. And so that's where it really kind of started. But then I put it on the back burner because I thought, you know, if you're going to write a book, you have to have something to say. And it takes a while to write a book. And so you have to have enough, um, uh, I guess, not not just words, but you have to have the stamina to <laughs> to stick with it for that long. It's like training for a marathon. And so I put it on the back burner and I just kind of lost interest in it. It's like I had that really nice moment, but you know, was there really anything that could build, build upon that? So I released, um, what turned out to be two chapters. I released those as blog posts in 2016. And then in 2017, we just had, um, I, there was just a lot of personal loss and, and I think I mentioned some of it maybe on the last podcast I was with yeah. you guys, but just so many people in my life close to me, whether it be my eight, you know 18 year old dog that we had to put to sleep. And then it was our friends who, uh, she was full term ready to have the baby and the baby died on delivery. Mm. And, you know, our other friends in our house church who lost their 15 year old son in a horrific accident. And my work partner who I'd been working with for eight years died of uh, cancer in November. And so all of last year just felt like I was in the ring, just getting pummeled and pummeled and pummeled. And my heart was just breaking so badly. And I've never shed so many tears in the span of uh, a year. And so, and then on top of that, you have everything going on in our country. And I think it was the backpacking trip I took to Alaska. Uh, we were in Wrangell St. Elias in the Southeast corner of the state. And I mean, it's in the middle of nowhere. So we drove from Anchorage, Alaska to Wrangell. It took seven and a half hours to drive there. We took a bush plane in and that dropped us off and left us there. And so I were, you know, in this remote wilderness for eight days and cut off from all civilization and really had a chance to process and just pay attention to my heart, to be honest. And whenever I came out, I just had so many feelings and words and just things that I had thought of. And I just thought, you know, there's, there's something more here um, because the fundamental question was that I was wrestling through, um, I had that moment of inexplicable joy in 2016 and then the wreckage and the heartache of all of 2017. And I started coming back to these words of Jesus where he said, I've come to give you life to the fullest. And I thought, man, this feels nothing even close to life to the fullest, hmm. you know? And so I began to ask the question, like, if there is life to the fullest, then how do you do it? And is it even possible? Because 
I, I've got news for you guys uh, outside of Michigan. <laughs> um, people are really cynical right now. And, uh, <laughs> and, 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 and to be honest, I mean, I, I know that, you know, people looking at a topic like this would maybe even roll their eyes and say, well, there's probably just a, a, a nice Pollyanna way of looking at it. Or yeah, that's just Brandon's going to promote like five steps to happiness or another sermon that's fill in the blank with cheap and easy answers. And the real truth of the matter is, is that this is not an easy book. And in the, in the uh, intro, I say that you're, I'm probably going to ask more questions than I have answers for. And you're probably going to ask more questions than you have answers for in the book. And that's all right. Wow, man, Brandon, just you talking about your year. I like it's, it's bad enough with, with everything that's, that's going on in the world. And then to, to heap on, all of your own personal stuff on top of that. It just reminded me of like Psalm 42 where, where the writer of the Psalm is just like, I'm at the bottom of the ocean and the deep is calling upon the deep and just all crashing down. I got to ask you, I mean, cause we did our legalism episode a while back now. And I think you and I both grew up in pretty legalistic backgrounds. Did, yeah. did any of that <laughs> creep up on you while you're going through all this stuff? Like, what am I doing wrong? Or are you? No, no, uh, no, 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 no. Okay. No, no, I was going to say, no, I, I think you're at a much better position in life to. Well, I mean, every, you know, the big, the big buzzword, which we're probably to the end of that word is deconstruction. And yeah. I think hope, hopefully we're getting to the end of it. And I, I hope that maybe I can play a part in some sort of reconstruction, to be honest. But my personal deconstruction would have started in you know, uh, 2006, I believe. So I, I I probably spent five years from that really wrestling through the heavy stuff of legalism and just asking all those questions. So from that point on, it's more, it's really been more time spent trying to put things back together and say, you know, what's worth saving and what's worth discarding. Yeah, man, that's, that's, that's uh, by the grace of God, you had that heavy lifting done before a terrible year. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, I mean, I suppose so. I wasn't sitting there like, oh, my goodness, you know, what, or, you know, what sin did I commit to cause all this stuff? But yeah. No, I mean, yeah, I'm fortunately way beyond all that. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so what is Shalom? <laughs> I, I have to I have to ask because your book is heavy on it. And for a lot of people like myself, I mean, my uh, my mother-in-law is part Jewish, and I heard her say shalom to a Jewish guy one time. Yeah. And that, that, that's been the extent of what I, before reading your book, what I know about shalom. I heard in a movie one time a Jewish detective say Shabbat shalom, and then he said mf or after that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and there's probably nothing wrong with that. <laughs> and depending on who you're saying it to, it might be the best response. <laughs> um, he, he shot up a bunch of Christmas elves. <laughs> what movie is this? I, I talked about it before with uh, Sarah Fader. It's called The Hebrew Hammer. Oh, yeah. He's like Shaft, but for Jews. Okay. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> You know, I'll tell you guys this. Um, so for me, there, there's whenever people read this, there's more going on that I don't say that there's actually frameworks that I'm working through myself of which all of these words flow out of. 
And so, you know, a lot of the questions I've had over the last probably 18 to 24 months is centered on, you know, this idea of heaven and hell and what, what is that and is what is hell and is hell eternal conscious torment is hell annihilationism is hell whatever. So, you know, I, I think that in some ways, um, and I'm just going to make this statement and then I'm, I don't really want to get into the theology of all this. We can have it on another episode, but okay. really kind of the place that I've come to is that whenever you look at Jesus and Paul and read the gospels and the epistles, you really don't find the, the flow of salvation as a um, decision that you need to make to avoid hell or to get to heaven. And so automatically that makes me ask questions like, well, if the whole point is not necessarily to choose heaven or hell as your eternal destination, then what's the whole point of Jesus anyway? Mm. And, you know, the place that I continue to come back to is the kingdom of God, but, you know, also Jesus says that I come to give you life and life to the fullest. And so, you know, there's something really present about what Jesus was bringing and calling all of us to. And that's not to say that there aren't, say, eternal uh, considerations. Like, again, we can discuss that at another time. But the predominance of the parables, the predominance of Jesus' teaching rests very presently. It's right here. And so whenever we talk about um, shalom, you know, it's not something that I'm playing fast and loose with. Like, well, that would be a great idea to introduce into a book. You know, the one thing that's interesting is that, are you guys familiar with the Septuagint? Is that the Greek yeah. Old Testament? Yes. Okay, yeah. So, so basically, you know, the, within Judaism, it was expanding into areas that didn't speak um, speak Jewish, and so they had to translate it into Greek. And so one of the funny things that you find is that sometimes you can find little clues on what they thought about certain Jewish words by how it was translated into the Greek or vice versa. And the Greek word, and I'm, I don't do really well with pronunciations, but the Greek word is Arane, and that's basically the word shalom that's used in the Old Testament. And you'll, you'll remember that. You guys mentioned John 14 on your last podcast. Well, when Jesus is talking about uh, we're, we're getting really heavy really fast. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> and that's not, th- th- this it. is not even what my book's about, but I'm just giving you guys some background. Um, when Jesus says, uh, my peace, I give you my peace. I leave with you. He's actually saying Shalom. It's the RNA Greek word that exactly mimics the Shalom. So whenever Jesus is saying my peace, I give you, he's literally saying like, I'm leaving, but I'm going to give you this shalom. So then the question is, well, what is this shalom? And it's more than just a simple Jewish greeting, okay? Whenever we talk about shalom, we talk about wholeness and completeness and harmony with all things, not just within your own life, but in your relationships that flow outwardly into your communities. And I, I told some guys yesterday on another podcast that, You know, initially people might say, well, that sounds really nice and pleasant, and that might be a really nice thing for you and your families or your relationships. But, you know, how does that really impact the world at at large? And I would just suggest here early on that shalom is not passive. Shalom is very active. And so we can get into that later. But to just kind of sum it up, I mean, shalom is 
um, the peace of God, the RNA of God, the shalom of God, the wholeness, the completeness, the harmony, not just with you and with others, but with all things, including creation. Man. Yeah, there's a lot there. <laughs> I, I love that idea, Brandon, of the shalom in being in harmony with, with nature. And, it, and I, I kind of feel that even if, if I'm just sitting up in a tree stand, uh, you know, it's almost hunting season or actually it is hunting season right now, but like, even if I don't ever see a deer, there's a certain peace and relaxation that I feel if I'm just sitting in nature and I'm wondering if that's not God kind of showing me just a little glimpse of the shalom. If you want to put if that's what we're going to use the language. Yeah. I mean, I think there is. And actually, as I go through the book, I just kind of, I kind of work through, um, you know, setting up the problem of what, what's going on culturally and what we're experiencing within our lives. And as I kind of move through it, um, I, I, I really don't answer the fundamental questions in that, you know, here's what you need to do to fix your life. That's, that's not the point. I, it's really, I tell a ton of stories throughout this and I don't know how much you guys have read of the book, but, um, again, whenever I was hanging out with the guys last night, one of the guys finished it yesterday and he said, I was just really shocked by how many stories that you put throughout it. And, you know, one of the stories, and this is kind of going to your point, Alex, is that, do you guys hear that dinging? No. Okay, perfect. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's so, the rapture. It's happening right now, Brandon. <laughs> yes. Going home. Well, I, I, that's why I mentioned it, because I thought that I missed it. <laughs> no, that's one of the trumpets. That's just a, oh, it's, no. <laughs> it's actually a little dinging. <laughs> so, no, there's a, a, there's a chapter that I talk about, and I think it's called um, Living as Presence. And I think it's this chapter where I talk about this and there's a lot of, there's a handful of backpacking stories, but there's this one in particular and we, it was the Grand Canyon trip and we had been out there for, I don't know, four or five days. And whenever, anytime that we're in these places, we have no cell signal. So, you know, it's completely just in the middle of nowhere with just us guys and nature and you start stripping away all of this veneer and all of this stuff that you've accumulated over time. And you just re really get down to some essence, some really basic essence in your life. And you, you realize that there's not all these attachments and all of these, um, uh, you know, things competing for our attention all the time. And so we were almost ready to make our final ascent up to Horseshoe Mesa and we started off early in that morning and I, th I think the climb was going to be something like 3000 feet. And I don't know if that means anything to anybody, but that's a lot, um, yeah. to do. And <laughs> so I think three we're walking a lot. toward, <laughs> yeah, I don't even want to climb the I, stairs to get out of Alex's basement. I have a hard time going upstairs. <laughs> uh, so we're approaching this Mesa and, and there's really just nothing and the sun's starting to come up. And as you can imagine, it's starting to get pretty hot. And there was one single tree relatively big, um, just right off the trail. And we, we said, why don't we just duck under this tree, take a water break before we hit this huge Mesa. And so we're sitting there and one of the guys he looks at me and he says, Hey, do you have any music on your phone? 
And I usually clear everything off of my phone um, just to save space to take pictures. And so I, I looked and I had one song. That's all I had, one song. And it was... Um, Passing Afternoon by Iron and Wine. And I don't know if you guys know that song. Oh, I know it very well. And Alex, if you don't know, you you just have to listen to it and just kind of imagine being in the middle of the, the Grand Canyon. And we all got quiet and I pressed play. And in that moment, it, it was almost like that I had been fasting for days and being introduced to my first food again, you know, it was just, mm. you, you could hear every note and every harmony and there was just such a beauty to it. And it just really caught my breath because I thought, you know, there's so much that we take for granted and in the pace at which we live, we hardly have the time just for simple appreciation. And so kind of going back to your story, it's like, yeah, I mean, whenever you, whenever you find that space, no matter where it is, if you can find that space space to just breathe and to just cut yourself off just for a little bit, I, even though it's really super hard in this um, culture that we live in, it's just addicted to technology and, and just very impulsive. But if you can find that space and just cut off for a little bit, there's such a deep appreciation. I'll, I'll give you one more story and people probably won't buy the book after I keep telling all my stories, but don't, don't, um, <laughs> don't spend it all here, Brandon. Okay. No, no, it's, it's, it's some mystery. <laughs> I know, but it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> so we we were on the John Muir Trail, and we had been hiking. I mean, and this was the real. It was really truly the hardest trip that we had ever done. I mean, several thousand feet every day. We're up in the ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen thousand feet, where you know the oxygen is significantly less, and just day after day of grinding it out. I think we did like nine days, and we were at the very last day. And we were hitting the summit of Mount Whitney, which is the highest point in the contiguous U.S. And we had not spoken to our families in nine days. I mean, we were completely cut off, no cell signal, nothing worked. And I just remember how, you know, difficult it was just getting up there. The oxygen level was like 60%. And it seemed like that every switchback that we took was just labored and I got up to the very top, 14,500 feet, and all of a sudden, my phone just starts blowing up with text messages hmm. and phone calls and messages from my mom and my dad and my wife and my kids, and I just started crying, you know, because it was like there was such a just a sweetness to hear their voices and the things that I take for granted on a daily basis of just like today of there's so much busyness in my household. And whenever my son speaks to me, I probably don't pay it any, pay any attention to it. But in that moment of getting to the top and not hearing them for so long, there was a preciousness, um, in that moment. So yeah, man, I, I know what you're saying. I mean, if we can find this and I know, so then here comes the cynicism, right? As people are like, well, you know, you're lucky that you get to go on those trips. And you're lucky that you have those moments. And it's like, well, go find some grass and just lie under a tree and oh. just watch, watch the ants work and just run your fingers down the bark and just take it all in. You oh, know? You're not lying. There's, there's this big giant tree outside of our, uh, outside of our work. And I thought, you know, what? I'm going to go sit in that underneath that tree and read and read your Bible. Uh, no, it wasn't, it wasn't a Bible, but, Dang it. uh, 
the scroll was not very happy that I was there. <laughs> That's hilarious. It, it was terrifying. I thought I was going to die, and it's just this little squirrel. Jason, this is about shalom. I know. This I know. is I not got, about your squirrel problems. I got, I got other stories, though. But no, what I moved to the car because <laughs> I felt safer. But I'm staring at this tree, and I'm seeing the wind just move through the leaves. And then one of my favorite uh, Bible passages is Luke chapter 12. And it's just like, God knows everything. He knows every little hop of every sparrow. And I start thinking about that. Like, God knows every single little footprint that every sparrow leaves. And I start looking at this tree, and I start I start seeing the wind move through the leaves and just watching the leaves turn. And God knows where all those leaves are in space. He knows which direction that wind is coming from. And mm. I, I, I was thinking about that. And I was like, maybe like people who don't believe in God have such a hard time seeing God because he's absolutely everywhere and in yeah. everything. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's just me being an overly spiritual person, which I which I am. Jess is like, what are you talking about? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I really don't think that it's you over spiritualizing it, because one of the uh, at the beginning of every chapter, I put just a quote or something. And at the beginning, I think of maybe that chapter, all I put was a quote by Jesus. And he says, consider the lilies. Yes, that's exactly and, it. Yeah. And I just left it at that because that in and of itself is the lesson. <laughs> yeah, there's another time we were up in Petoskey. And I mean, you're talking, I mean, you just mentioned about the trips and stuff. And the, these are short little moments. Like I don't, I don't have the opportunity to go on trips. I wish that I, I wish sure. that I did. I mean, I might die, but, but we're up. Uh, I'll come save you. We're up in Petoskey, and I, my favorite thing to do in the whole world is go to a Michigan shoreline, any of the lakes, and look for rocks, and yeah. and just stand ankle deep in the water. And I mean, there it's not like uh, there were big waves coming in. It was small little waves, but just finding my footing on very rocky ground and just the waves continually beating against my ankles and just feeling mm. how strong that water is. And then thinking this water has been beating against this coastline <clears throat> forever. Yeah. And just how long is God going to keep it up? Like how, <laughs> how long is this? Like, And I, I mean, I wrote a song for my, for my grandma who was battling uh, breast cancer, which she survived and um, which is awesome. She's still alive and going strong. I mean, I've unfortunately I've had other family members who have lost their battle to breast cancer and cancer in general. But the, in the, in that song that I wrote, it's the songs for my grandmother ocean, whose waves have battled the coastline for years. I wrote that mm. lyric like for for eight ages ago, and then just yeah. standing in the water and feeling that that water beat against my ankles and push me around, and just how strong that current is, and just how persistent it just never stops. It always keeps coming, and it's gonna grind yeah, these little tiny rocks into sand. I mean, yeah. and. I'm standing there again, hopefully, I, I mean, I don't think I'm being over-spiritual. I just think it is what it is and just how strong is God and how persistent is God and just having this moment. I mean, it's a 
it's a busy beach. <laughs> like, yeah. And here I am, like I'm, you know, on the best drug on the planet. <laughs> just, <laughs> just like this water's amazing. <laughs> like, pure. The God is so good. <laughs> pure Michigan. Yeah. Pure Michigan. No, yeah, but you, you, know, you listening to Passing Afternoon in the Grand. I listened to that album. That might be the last, my last like record experience where just me and a group of friends are listening to, I, I've never shamefully admit I've never owned a record player, but we're mm-hmm. listening to that CD and we're all just like passed out on couches, just taking in every note, every lyric, every harmony. And to like, when I read that chapter that read that story, I was like, holy crap to listen to that in the Grand Canyon after that would just be it'd be epic it 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 was but you know i really i i want people to know that i i was so cautious in this book um to balance the tension between the wreckage and the beauty and you know one of the things and i'm going to balance that out i'll I'll tell you another story Uh, i'm not running any there's a thousand stories in this thing but you know, I had this experience probably a decade ago, and I, I remember it vividly. Um, I, I didn't go into too much detail in my book, but I've suffered from chronic body pain for 19 years. And so about 10 years ago, I was right in the thick of it. And I just I feel lousy most of the time. I just really hurt. And whenever I come home from work, I just feel like crap. Like I just need to, you know, take a nap. But of course... At that time, I would have had uh, an eight-year-old and a five-year-old plus the dog. And I remember coming home that evening, and we just finished up supper. And I was sitting on the couch, and the girls were playing, and it was the kind of playing that just grates on your nerves. It's not like the nice <laughs> playing, you know. It's the <laughs> it's the shrill, loud screaming it. of two yeah. girls, and the dog is running around because the dog thinks that they're playing with him. And my wife is in the kitchen doing some cleanup, and I was just like, man, I feel terrible. And plus, you know, this horrible. It just sounds awful, and the noise and the screaming and. I remember just putting my head back on, on the back of the couch and closing my eyes and just listening. Hmm. And I, I just remember thinking at that moment as tears started to roll down my cheeks of how appreciative of the chaos that I was, that I was in and just, it kind of reminded me of that. I don't know if you guys have ever read our town by Thornton Wilder, but there's uh, a girl that basically dies and she's looking back on her life of all the opportunities that she missed of just very simple things like the ticking of a clock or, you know, being with a loved one. And I kind of had that experience myself, except I hadn't died. Uh, you know, I'm sitting on my couch and in that moment where I was just hurting and it was chaos and it was just not pleasant. I just thought I am the happiest I've ever been of just being able to sit here with my family and just take it in. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't want to be, I, I, I'm telling you guys, I mean, to, to kind of thread all of this together, whenever Jesus said that I, I came to give you life to the fullest, or whenever we talk about the idea of shalom, of wholeness and completeness and harmony and all things, it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. 
It doesn't mean that it's going to be, you know, Grand Canyon hikes with nice songs at the bottom of it because we, we live real lives where I suffer from chronic body pain and I have friends who have lost kids and I have friends who are going through stage four, you know, uh, cancer treatment and people whose relationships and marriages are on the rocks. And I mean, I could just go on and drug addictions. I have friends that are in prison. I have people who've lost jobs. And so I, I'm not writing this from a perspective of, well, just think yourself into this nice thing. Or maybe if you just go take a hike, you'll feel better because the whole point of the book is saying that there is something transcendent that is that that we can tap into that is available to us that no matter our situation or circumstance that gives us a peace beyond all understanding and and that's the point it's not dismissive of our pain it's not asking us to just wish it away it is saying i'm going to stand right in the middle of the pain and right in the middle of my painful circumstance and i can still find peace mm-hmm. and it, i know that it doesn't make any sense to other people but i'm telling you that it's a peace that goes beyond all understanding Oh, was man. that first Corinthians or is that second Corinthians? <laughs> I forget. Maybe it's three Corinthians. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I tell you that with, with me, I'm, I'm actually, I grew up. If there's one thing that Jason and I probably can do pretty well, uh, growing up in the church of Christ is we know our Bible verses pretty well. Yeah. And I, I can remember stuff. Book chapter the verse. Bible. But I can't remember chapters and verses for anything. No, I mean, I can't do it either yeah. anymore, yeah. especially since I've I almost don't read the Bible anymore. And I know it's really I listen to it. I listen to audio Bible. Yeah. And because I I I was telling our our uh, small group this the other day, it just gives me a better feel for the whole context of each letter. If I'm listening to a letter, regardless, like just to hear the thing in its entirety um, has a greater, greater impact on me than just picking out the verses like I've done for so long. Oh, sure. Yeah. But well, I'll, t- I'll tell you something that you, you didn't think I was going to come on here and do this, but I'm going to throw you a curveball. OK, Uh-oh. snap. You know what I thought about? You have a bunch of questions at the end of your chapters, and I thought about only asking you questions from your own book and saying, how does it feel, Brandon? You oh, self-reflect that, in podcast that, form. That would have been that really would have been funny because you would have stumped me. Hey, man, wait a second. I'm the one who asked the questions. Um, uh, no, but uh, so, yeah. I am not a fan of the King James Bible. Okay, no, no oh, big shock. Alex is out. I'm out. Um, no, I'm 1611 just, is all I'll read. 1611 King James, where the U's are V's and the V's are U's. But but I'll tell you that I found something the other day. Every once in a while, I will go consult the King James just to, you know, whenever you're doing some of the word studies and you want to see what all the different versions, versions say and how they're saying it and what things they're emphasizing, Um. Man, it was surprising because you guys are familiar with Romans 8, which says, you know, talks about all of creation groans awaiting liberation from the curse. And, yeah. you know, Paul's kind of on this whole diatribe of new creation and the, the sufferings that we go through presently. And so I went back to the King James and the verse there actually says that um, and, instead of it just saying all of creation groans, cause that's how all of the contemporary versions read. It says all of creation groaneth 
and travaileth together. Hmm. And I was like, oh my goodness, like that whole, so I went back to the Greek to look, I'm like, you know, did, did it warrant both of those words? And it actually did. And so I thought, you know, it's a really powerful point because, you know, as we walk through these painful circumstances and our, and sufferings, no matter what degree that we're suffering through, you know, we can stand in the valley of the shadow of death and feel completely isolated and alone, you know, and, and really kind of in a place where we feel like giving up. And the, the beauty of that passage is it says that all of creation, so already at the beginning, it, 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 it realize our, realizes our circumstance that even though that we presently can taste or experience this, this shalom that surpasses all understanding, that we're in a life experience where we are groaning because there is pain and there is suffering but it says that we will do it together. And it says that all of creation groans together and we go through these travaileth actually means to like painful experience. So it says that we are groaning together and we're going through this painful experience together. And I thought, man, if we're ever going to take steps out of the valley of the shadow of death and even begin, you know, put one step in front of the other to get up this mountain, um, it, it has to be together. It can't be an isolation. We can't leave people alone. We, you know, and I, I, I'm, I'm speaking from past successes and past failures in this is that, you know, sometimes, um, we, we back off from other people and we let them just be alone in their suffering. And it's like, man, I don't, I don't think that that's ever what we were intended to be or to do. I think that we have to do this thing together. Enter in the church. When Jesus said, you guys may need one another. Right? Yeah. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. No, go ahead, Brandon. Sorry. Well, well, tell, tell me what you're thinking. Well, I'm just thinking about like in, in Hebrews where it talks about not neglecting to meet one another and stirring one another up in love and good works. Like it can be really easy to kind of isolate yourself. Like there's times where I kind of want to do the, I just want to camp by myself trip and not bring my family with me or be with other friends because I just kind of want to be alone. And I think those times have their moments. I mean, Jesus had his moments yep. where he's just like, I got to yep. I gotta get out of here. The disciples are really annoying me. And um, but there's and there's I've, I've been kind of working through this as, as I've been trying to figure out what to do with church and all these things, because there's just days that I, I wake up on Sunday morning. I'm like, I don't want to go. I'm pretty content with just wanting to stay home. But sure. when I do go and I see it, it, in this particular sun, this past Sunday, Jason, it was seeing your dad mm. and talking to your dad. It was just like, man, this is the reason why I came is to be with these people and to just talk with them and to laugh a little bit. And it really did change my mood. And sometimes you wish you could just get straight to that. Yeah. Sometimes I just wish we can be like, you know what? I That's know that. why I'm so jealous. Not to, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but just reading about your house church, Brandon, and Keith Giles' house church, and Richard Jacobson and the house church movement. I'm so jealous. <laughs> Not that we don't yeah, get I mean, elements of that in, in, yeah, yeah. in the big church. You know, we do, but we don't. You know, and, and maybe, because let me just say it this way. I, I think that we all have, like, 
deep, there's no question. I mean, we were created for community and we were created for something that's deeper than surface level. And, you know, to kind of echo Richard Rohrer, you know, we can live on the circumference of life without ever going anything deeper towards the real essence of life. And so the real tragedy is no matter what setting you're talking about, whether it's the weekly gathering of a church or anything else, the real, the real sadness is, 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 is if it never gets any deeper than Sunday morning conversations and how are you doing? And the only reason I say that, and and it goes beyond that because I've been a part um, of small groups for the last 20 years. You know, I've, I've led small groups. I've led small group ministries at churches. I mean, everything that I've done has been oriented around the smaller meeting of the church, but I can also tell you that I've been instrumental in keeping them at the surface too. And, you know, I, (laughs) for anything that, um, it looks like that I might do good, I can certainly balance it out with 10 times more that I've done poorly or bad. And, you know, I, I told my wife the other day, maybe it was my wife or someone else, but I was like, you know, look back over the last say 15 to 20 years that we've been doing small groups and look at the time that we spent early on and, think about the people who were a part of those groups where we stayed very surface level. We answered the questions. We moved on from the questions. We drank our coffee. We had our dessert. We said goodbye. And there really wasn't anything deeper than that. I think that 80% of those couples are divorced. Mm. And, you know, it's like the antidote is not just meeting together. I mean, because, you know, (laughs) If you if meeting together was the solution, then we would have like great and perfect lives where just as the gathering of the church happens on Sunday morning or as the smaller groups meet together, then we wouldn't have that kind of breaking and catastrophe that's going on in, in relationships. But I think one of the things that I've noticed is that and this really goes back to the point that I was talking about earlier of not standing isolated in the valley of the shadow of death is that it really takes people that um, are ready to move past, um, the surface level and, and to really be honest, I'll tell you guys a story that's not in the book. (laughs) It's just funny. Um, so probably about, oh, maybe 10 years ago, I really, there's that James passage passage, James, uh, five 17. It says, um, confess your sins one to another and you will be healed. Right. And so the word healed in that is there's two Greek words. There's one that's therapeutic. There's another one that's Ia Omahi. This one is actually the Ia Omahi word. And it means, um, not necessarily physical healing, but mind, body, and soul, like salvation, like thoroughly healed. And so, I had been reading Bonhoeffer and I had these great ideas about like, man, you know, I just need to get my brothers together and we need to meet up and I'm going to make this huge appeal like that. We need to be a confessional community together and we need to come together and just like bear our souls. (laughs) And so I said, Wednesday night, 9 PM. And so all these guys, probably about six other guys showed up and I had my notes, I had my Bonhoeffer and I was reading passages. I read the James section and everybody just kind of stared at the ground. And then after I finished all of it, I started just, I said, I'll go first. And I just started confessing every single sin of my life (laughs) that I could ever (laughs) think of. And it was like this, you know, 
litany, this huge diatribe of like, you know, pretty massive uh, failures, some really super duper embarrassing things. And uh, I finished up and nobody else went and <laughs> and no one came back the next week. Yeah. And, That's like the first uh, rule of small group. Don't lead off with super heavy stuff, man. <laughs> you got to build a relationship first. <laughs> so the, the cool thing was, though, is that as time went on, uh, there were guys that were very interested in that. And, and yeah. so the whole point of it is, is that as time went on for probably three to four years, we met together. And just bared our souls with one another. And what was happening is that not only were we kind of opening up dark places and exposing it to the light, you know, kind of using that metaphoric language of what goes on when we bear our souls and open it up to the light of Christ. But we noticed that we went from being isolated individuals to having a camaraderie, like our roots were growing deeper and we were more intimately connected. Yeah. And you know, and I think that that's the stuff that we talk about when, when we hunger for a relationship, we hunger for something that goes way beyond the superficial veneer that we put up or the costumes that we wear or the masks that we wear each week. We really want depth and, you know, and it's like, well, you know, maybe some people aren't ready to jump in head first, like you said, but I think ultimately, um, th those are the places that we have to go with one another because the world, um, our culture, uh, our lives, our relationships, um, our communities are fracturing and br breaking and we don't have the depth to handle it. Yeah. And, and that's, that's to me the real tragedy. Yeah. There's, there's two more things I want to, I want to get to Brandon, but to, to continue on what you're saying there for me, the best part of this podcast is probably hanging out with Alex. And when we shut the mics off, at the end yeah. of it because that's where Alex and I not every night but like last week we had our like our prayer time where we just shared with one another what we're going through yes and some part of me wishes I could put that on the podcast I wish people could see that I wish we could emulate no, that for that people. one's just for us I know it's, it's way too personal uh yeah. you know we try to be as real as we can when the mics are on and I you know you just can't uh, as real as we, we try to be, we're more real when we turn the mics off, but that, that is my favorite part of doing this podcast as Alex yeah. and I sit here holding hands. I'm not, holding, I'm not <laughs> no. holding your hand right now. Uh, oh my goodness. Awesome. Uh, Brandon, your chapter, and we've been kind of talking about different elements of this as we've been going about, about, uh, slowing things down and, experiencing things in greater depth, experiencing God in greater depth. And I'm not going to lie. When I saw your book, when I see every book, I look through the chapters and I, I find the one that I need at that moment. Cause I, usually any book I can open, I can, I can read what the chapters are and the table of contents and be like, I need this chapter right now. <laughs> and to me, that was uh prayer as breathing. Yeah. Uh, can we, can you talk about that for, for a minute? Yeah. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> All of it. I want, I just want to sit here and read that chapter. To should everybody. Uh, Brandon, should we pray? Uh, <laughs> I'll let you guys pray while I uh, take a few notes to get ready. For <laughs> you can pray for my answer here. Um, no, I'll tell you the funny thing um, about this book is that I finished writing it in May 
Yeah. And so it's actually been a really long time since I wrote it. And I have a hard time remembering everything that I wrote in it, which is kind of funny. But I do remember that chapter because never like ancient cultures, they believe that there was a sacredness in breathing. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing about um, within Judaism is that the name of God, which they used, they spelled it out Y-H-W-H, which is Yahweh, is that they believed that they could hear or, or that every time that you exhaled, that it was the sound of Y-H-W-H, Yahweh being breathed out and then that Yahweh was breathing into us at the same time. And... <laughs> And, uh, you know, the thing that was that kind of caught me whenever I started looking into this is just that, man, oh, man, um, our breathing is so it's an autonomic response. You don't have to think about it. It just happens, you know. And so like throughout the day, and I'm just going to ask you guys, I mean, have you thought about breathing at all today? (laughs) Okay. So, <laughs> Alex, my youth pastor back in the day, back when I was a early Christian, and he he did a he did a whole like little lesson on being thankful, and he said in the, in the moments when you're having a hard time being thankful, he said take a breath, mm. and he's like, now think about everything that went into the fact that you took a breath right now, and the fact that. God supplied the oxygen. God supplied the ability for your brain to just do it automatically. So, like, there are times where I do think about my breathing. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. And so, like, I've I've always held on to that lesson uh, in my mind. So, I'm a super Christian. So, continue. No, I mean, no, I think that that's really <laughs> incredible because you know, whenever we, I don't know, I think that the lives in which we live are so it's such fast paced and and there's no indication that anything's going to slow down anytime soon. And again, we've been talking about kind of our impulsiveness whenever it comes to technology and like even, even in those like mundane moments of, you know, you're waiting for your tire to get changed or you're waiting for your oil to get changed. Or, um, yesterday I was waiting for someone to pick me up and I was outside and I didn't know how long it was going to take for the person to get to my house. And so my automatic response was to just get on my phone. And I thought, Nope, you're not going to do it. I set it down. I actually laid down on my sidewalk and just stared at the sky and just watched the bugs fly over my head. And I was like, man, that one's flying really fast, but, um, <laughs> faster than I thought they could fly. Um, yeah, but with, with, with prayer, I mean, I think it's kind of this, whenever you're intentional about it, it is a slowing down. And, you know, you, you kind of wonder why that there's such an appeal for uh, yoga right now. And our meditation, you know, one, you know. or meditation. And I think that in the West, we've, we've Western, we've Westernized an Eastern religion. And I, and I hate to say it that way, because I don't look at the Jesus movement as a religion. But you know what I'm saying that we've taken the Eastern parts out of solitude of silence of breathing of prayer of meditation. And we've looked at those things as uh, well, we've turned this thing into an intellectual faith. And, and if you think the right things, or if you, you know, have the right debates, or if you feel su- superior as a Christian, or you've done done it the right way and follow the right steps, then you're good. And, and I think that 
we've almost mimicked our culture and how we live and we haven't found that space to breathe and we haven't, you know, spent time of just detaching and meditating or taking a breath and finding solitude and respite. And so I think that, you know, even coming back to this idea of prayer is breathing, it's really centering. There's a, there's a contemplative, um, uh, a contemplative discipline that begins happening where we actually slow down our rhythms and we can actually, you know, find peace and space there. And of course the chapter goes way beyond that. I don't want you to think that it's all about just trying to figure out how to breathe, but it is interesting that whenever Paul talks about praying in the spirit, that he actually says to pray in the pneuma, which is breath or breathing, you know, with every breath. So it's almost like that our prayer without ceasing, as Paul would say in another place is actually, on with every breath that we take, that there's kind of this invitation. Um, there's an inhalation and exhalation. There's, um, finding space of just entering into the present, um, moment rather than being preoccupied with everything else is going on around us. Yeah. Whenever I, an engineer here, whenever I hear that pneuma and my machine design background, I think pneumatics and how everything was powered most of the machines we designed because it's cheaper to power things pneumatically by air that it's just, I always think back to that. It's like, this is the spirit powering everything, making everything go <laughs> and move. Uh, and there I am well, at work, just loving Jesus as I'm working my CAD program. You are such a super Christian. You guys, <laughs> you guys are at another level tonight. Well, it's, no, it's um, that Michigan air, I wanted man. To, I wanted to add to that though. Cause, um, that chapter has maybe my favorite, um, what do you call it, a blog or entry that you've you've done over the past year. Probably most impactful um, for me and seeing God and seeing seeing Him move in just an incredible way. Which I think those experiences are what are what drive our relationship. It makes us it makes us want to have this relationship with God. But our dog passed away this year like this past week uh actually didn't pass away we had to make a very difficult decision to put her down and it was heartbreaking and it was way worse than any of us thought (laughs) it was going to be just seeing my uh my eight-year-old just i mean not eight i'm sorry nine he'll be 10 they all their ages run together he'll be 10 uh by by the time your book comes out but he uh he was just so heartbroken. Mm. Um, and then Jess, you know, ex- explaining that um, that uh, when dogs pass away, that they take the rainbow bridge to heaven. And just, just, <laughs> just one of those, like, you know, fleeting things you just say, oh, and yeah. you don't think much about it. It's just, you know, you're trying, you're, you're doing whatever you can to comfort your kids sure. <laughs> at this moment. And then um, we, right after she got home from the vet, after we put the dog to sleep, we went to the Humane Society to look at new dogs because that was just the only thing that was going to cheer him up was the promise of, you know, another, right. another puppy. And we leave the Humane Society and we're driving home and it had just it had just rained and up in the sky is this perfect little half <laughs> rainbow bridge. And then Rex, our youngest goes, look, look, mom, it's Sophie's bridge. 
Sophie's oh. going to heaven. And it's just one of those like little, you would think it was so in- insignificant, but here, here, here is God hearing our conversation. I mean, it wasn't prayer, but he heard that conversation and he took time to arrange things. And maybe again, I know some people are like, oh, he's over spiritualizing it, but it, I, I don't think that I am. I think, I think God heard that conversation and I think he was the best aid to our little boys in that moment, the best assurance mm. that mm-hmm. we could have ever, I mean, we, we struggled all week. What are we going to do? What are we going to tell them? What are we going to say? How are we going to get through this? And the one little insignificant thing that Jess, you know, says to try to cheer him up that we kind of half believe, but you know, it's just kind of mystical and out there and lucky charms kind of campy. <laughs> like, And yet, yeah. I mean, yeah, Roughly about the same time we put the dog down, here comes a rainbow. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I, there, there's so much I want to say about it. Um, there's actually a story in the book that goes along. It's the um, first thing I thought about when, yeah, yeah, when yeah. we started talking about rainbows. So I'm, I'm not going to tell that story because that one is a, an epic story. Yeah. I want people to read that. I agree um, with Because it, really, it, it actually has a picture in it so people can see what happened. But, you know, when while you're talking, one of the things that I thought of is just you know, in, in our culture, we've done church culture is that whether it's intentional or unintentional, people certainly don't have ill intentions or bad motives, but we can very easily go down the path of making God into the genie, you know, where it, it, prayer for us becomes just asking God for this and asking God for that. Yeah. And, you know, it's like God's out there and, you know, God, will you give me this? Will you bless me in this way? Will you give me the promotion? Will you whatever? And all I was trying to do with this chapter is really try to show that there is an intimacy that's there. Mm-hmm. There, there's, there's a relationship that w- that's there, and it's not this transactional like genie in a bottle thing. You, you ask me, and I'll give you this. And it's like it, when we've done that, we've we've created this caricature of God that's just so far from what God even is. And and I think, you know, at the very heart of it, whenever we think about Shalom, Shalom is fully relational. Yeah. And, it, and whenever we are to find those places of Shalom, of wholeness, completeness, and harmony in all things, and in all relationships, you know, ultimately the place that that begins with is a relationship with God. And, and it's not the transactional relationship. It is fully in intimately present what even in every breath that you take and to me that just seems more life-giving it it seems like that it 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 almost introduces us back into again a more eastern way of looking at our faith but doggone it i think that we've needed a little more east in our faith for a long time because surprise surprise jesus was an eastern dude um but, you know, I think that getting back to some of these disciplines and just seeing things a little bit differently and, and um, I think that that would be a really good start of just our reorientation uh, with with our relationship with God and then how we interact and, and breathe our prayer with God. Yeah, man. Uh, well, yeah. Jesus is white, first of all, Brandon. How dare you come back on here and make us go back east? No. If there's Kenny anything <laughs> that you and I are good at is taking taking a guess like super solid moment and just awesome thing that he that he just said <laughs> and then just derail that train. She gone. 
<laughs> no, uh, Brandon, the other thing that I wanted to get to, the other thing in your book that had an impact on me is that, I mean, it's this whole relationship uh, aspect with Jesus, with God. And your book actually made me go back today and read John 17, the high priestly prayer, oh. his, his prayer for us and unity. Oh my gosh, if there's one thing that seems so incredibly unattainable and something that just, it makes me so angry because I want it so badly is unity between churches. I just wish we could drop everything and, and unify in Christ. It would, uh, sometimes I was thinking about that prayer earlier this week and I was like, did God, did God hear that prayer? <laughs> like, I know that yeah. he did. I know they did. And I know, I know it's, from Jesus, and I know it's directly to God. It's from the source to the source. But I look around, and I just don't see it. Hmm. Uh, and then you you talk in your book um, so deeply about this relationship, and I think I think maybe in church we've we've lost that, and we want the benefits of Jesus, but we don't want Jesus. And just mm. that you're, you saying that about prayer made me think about, we want all these things from Jesus, but we really don't want Jesus. We just want the genie or we don't really want to sit and have five minutes of silence alone with Jesus and just bear everything to him and have him transform us. We just want a ticket to the good place after we die. Yeah. And, and, and I, I think that that's it. And, I mean, honestly, again, it kind of goes full circle back to the very beginning of our conversation of, you know, what was Jesus trying to do? Like, what, what was his point? And, you know, I, I think it was in 2010 with my first book, I wrote an entire chapter about unity. And I talked about the John 17 passage where it's, it's Jesus's last documented yes. prayer before he was crucified. And the thing that's just staggering about the prayer is that Jesus is praying for, you know, it's kind of almost the, uh, I am the vine, you are the branches. If I am in you and I am in him, then we're all together as one. It's this huge relationship and it's like this oneness that they all share. And so Jesus's last prayer to the disciples is that they would go into the world and make disciples, but there would be unity that would go beyond that. And I thought, God didn't answer Jesus's prayer. <laughs> that's, that's what um, I know. was thinking earlier this week. I was getting kind of depressed a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one of Jesus's um, unanswered prayers is for the church to be united as one. And, and, and I think, and I'm having a hard time recollecting this, but there's something about that prayer that says, so the world, yeah, it's like the whole, it, it ends like this. The whole point of all of us being united and together as one is to demonstrate to the world that God is real or something like that, that God is the father. And it's like, as we have not been united and as we've been fragmented and divided and fractured, just like the world and everything else, it's caused people to say I don't want any part of that. I don't want. I don't want any part of God. Why join? It's almost re why join this why, club that's dysfunctional when I'm already part of a dysfunctional club? That's exactly it. And you know, going really full circle, if you go back to chapter uh, two in my book, I spend a lot of time talking about divisions and labels yeah. and hierarchies and just the way that we see the world. 
And I think, man, you know, here's the indictment is that we look at the world as, you know, um, with classifications and labels and divisions and we are masters of it. And we've actually started, we, we, be, we began that within the church. We're the ones who, you know, hyper obsess about every, every jot and tittle. Yeah. <laughs> I had to say that. Uh, we hyper obsess <laughs> about, I, I just thought he of said it. I just tittle. Thought, hey. I tittle, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, but you know, Again, we've made it such an intellectual faith that we divide and we fragment and we label ourselves a new church name and we end up with a million and one different denominations, each with a you know little bit different on something. And it's no wonder that we take that fragmented um, embodiment and then we start projecting it out and how we look at the world and how we relate to people. And it's like, man, it's that passage where uh, Paul says – that in, in in Christ there's no longer slave nor free no gr- Greek nor Gentile slave nor free uh, male or female uh, male or female circumcised or uncircumcised it's like all of these divisions and all of these labels and every way that we've slapped everything onto people that's kept us fragmented and divided and against one another and, and increased our antagonisms and our conflicts and our hatreds guess what the one group of people that should have lost the labels long ago are Christians, you know, because our identity is now in Christ and that is sufficient. There's room within being in Christ for there to be disagreements. We, we actually expect it. There's a way that you walk with each other in grace, loving and learning from one another, but still saying we're united in the Christ. And, and that's the invitation that we, uh, well, I'll back up. That's how we begin to see all people in the world. You know, we begin to see people as children of God. We don't see them as that, uh, white man or that black man and that rich man or that poor man that, you know what I mean? We, we continue to perpetuate. And if you watch the news for five seconds, that's all you see. There's more fragmentation, more division. Christians ought to be saying there's a table of invitation where all are welcome because we only see you as in Christ. Mm -hmm. And I think that before we can even begin doing that for the world, we've got to learn how to do that for ourselves. And that, I mean, and I'll just be honest with you that that really breaks my heart because I know that we are, we reject it. We, we rebel against it. We do not want anything to do with it. And I listened to your podcast that you guys just did and how people wouldn't even, um, you know, work a mission with another church. That's a different denomination, you know? And it's like, we are so far from the shalom of God. We are so far from, um, experiencing this life to the fullest because we've, we've, we've taken all of this division and hatred and animosity and we've introduced it into the body of Christ and we've fragmented it. And so, uh, I was setting that up at the very beginning of the book and obviously I have solutions that I talk about later on, but yeah, that's, that's, uh, you know, whenever you compare that to the, the prayer of Jesus, it just breaks your heart. Yeah. Well, boys, we're at an hour and 15. Time flies when you're having fun with Brandon. (laughs) Seems like we just started. I know it. I feel like we're just getting into it. Uh, well, but anyway, we, we unfortunately have to wrap this up because if, if we keep talking, then Brandon, you're not going to sell any books <laughs> yeah. and you're not going to get rich and famous. We'll just go, we'll just start reading it. 
But the, the great thing is, is that I love talking about it. And, you know, obviously I want people to buy the book, right? Um, I, I really, I'm not benefiting from this. I set my royalties at zero, so I'm not trying to get rich from this. Everything. Dang it. Come on, I, Brandon. No, no, it's not my thing. I, I, whenever I write something, I'm so passionate about it and I just, I feel deeply about it. Like people need to hear it because I, especially with this one, I mean, my first book, I was kind of banging the drum and felt like, you know, Isaiah walking around in the streets naked and yelling at people. And my second book, I was way too, you know, it, it, there were some serious points, but it was super duper tongue in cheek and a lot, really funny. But man, this book here is my heart. And yeah. I, I, I want so badly, um, I want so badly for us to find our heart and soul again, individually. I want us to find our heart and souls as families and as communities. I want us to find the humanity uh, in this world again. And we've got to, because we're on, we're on a trajectory right now where we're going to rip each other to shreds. And if there is a solution, then somebody has to start talking about a different way of living, a different narrative. And I think, I hope, I pray that I can contribute just a little bit to that. Yeah. I mean, Brandon, any book that I read that after I finish reading it wants, makes me want to grow closer to Jesus, which is what your book has done, which is what Keith Giles, uh, Jesus, uh, unbound has done for me. It's a good book. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Keith and I are on the same publisher. Yes. Choir. Yep. Yep. Brother from another mother. I was going to mention that, but I don't know how to say their name. <laughs> no, it's been it's it's been real, guys. I appreciate it. Um, people can pick it up uh, anywhere online. I don't know when your podcast episode is going to drop, but really anywhere online. If if they're you know just go to Amazon, you'll find it. So Barnes and Noble, Kobo, whatever, it's out there. Yeah, well, for sure, we'll leave a link in the description. Yeah, 90, 99 cent digital um, and ten ninety nine paperback. It's worth it. It's an amazing book. Spend the money. Spend spend your ten. What about your podcast? You want to tell us about your podcast real quick? Yeah, I mean, on the day that the book launches, I, I've taken a couple of month break just trying to get ready for the book launch. But uh, the next episode that's going to come out is on launch date, October 9th. And it's going to be uh, an outside the walls episode that is the introduction of the book. So I read the introduction of the book, but I've done it in the way that I do the outside the walls podcast with the music awesome. and the beats and the pauses and breaks. And it's actually pretty cool. Um, so that's going to be coming out. And... Yeah, a lot of other surprises as well. So I think it's a, and, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say that anybody who buys the book can just drop me a note, uh, however you want, through any of my different social media means, and I have a bonus chapter that I'm going to send to them. Basically, the bonus chapter was written, and I missed the deadline for getting it in the book. So, and it's really an incredible, incredible chapter, and I'm just heartbroken that it's not in there. Uh, but if people buy the book, then I'll send you the bonus chapter. Awesome. I just want to say it's probably a good time to mention that my wife is a co-host on your show. Man, Jess has been killing it. Jess. Oh, my goodness. And you know what's really great is that I love producing, um, maybe even more than I enjoy putting out my own content. And so whenever I get the vocals from uh, Jess and Sarah, it really kind of enlivens me because I start thinking creatively about yeah. how we're going to express this. And Jess is just like, all I could think about is, um, 
you know, roller derby and just like knocking people down. And so (laughs) all of her episodes are super edgy and, ah, I love it. Yeah. Yeah, She's done a phenomenal job. Every, every time she sends one in, she's like, I wonder what he thinks about it. He hasn't said anything. I wonder, (laughs) did I do okay? Was it all right? Was it good? It's like, Uh, he's putting music to it, babe. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's funny. They've they've turned out so well. Yeah, it's been really, I mean, if people haven't listened to them, go go to Outside the Walls podcast and try to find them. But um, Jess and Sarah have added content that is amazing. And it's really added a whole different perspective to what I'm doing. And so, yeah, it's been incredible. Definitely the best thing over the last year for me has been adding both of their voices to the mix. Yeah, I love Sarah's voice too. Even when we were doing when we did we did an episode with her on abortion uh, over a year ago, and it's just like hearing her talk. It's like this is like the most soothing, motherly, perfect voice I have ever heard. I tell yeah. Jess that all the time, but I just wanted to thank you for for having yeah. uh, for well for coming on our show again, for writing an amazing book and having. Uh, Jess on your podcast because it's just having the the daily conversations that hurt just like Alex and I here after this thing is wrapped up and we have our our moments together Jess and I have had equal (laughs) it's it's been good that's good well I appreciate you guys it's always so much fun to talk to you I always hate it that it goes so quickly but let's do it again in the future for sure sounds good buddy you opened up a can of worms on hell so we'll have to get to it oh what the (laughs) what the beep (laughs) All right, love you guys see ya see ya see ya got done with Brandon Andrews there was a couple times he said every breath you take <laughs> I knew you <laughs> I was like Alex is being so good right now and he's I'm being not, so well I'm behaved I'm not bringing up the police <laughs> I almost did too it's like every breath and then there's the, then there's the the Puff Daddy the remix creepiest, creepiest song ever if you think about the lyrics every breath you take every move you make I'll, I'll, be watch, I'll be watching you. I'll be watching you. That is the Stalker's theme song. <laughs> but then, is. but then Puff Daddy took it and made it a tribute to Biggie. Yeah, he did. So good job, Puff Daddy. Yeah, we don't give you enough props on this podcast. But no, great interview with Brandon Andrus to go back to the case in point. Yeah, I would. I want to. He said it. He wrote it in his book. It is not a self help book. It's not like you're going through a bad time in life. Here's here's how to make it work. It's, it doesn't work like that. I mean, it, it's going to make you work on building your, your relationship with Christ. Mm. And that's why it was so hard doing this interview is like, I don't know what to say because I'm still thinking. <laughs> well, like one of the things that I, I've been doing lately 
as part of like especially for like people sometimes people will be like well what should i read like during my devotion time during my one-on-one time with god what should what should i read i'm like maybe you don't need to read anything and i know this sounds kind of sacrilegious or kind of almost you know hypocritical or what's the word i'm looking for uh heretical even not not to spend time in your bible in in your one-on-one time with god but i'm like I remember I told my wife this one time. She's like, what should I read? I said, how about this? How about get 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 some paper and write the things that God has done for you this week? Oh, yeah. Because it God didn't stop working 2,000 years ago when the Bible was finished or when Jesus resurrected and the church started. Like, God is still working continuously and us praising him for the things that he's done. Like, that is a great way to spend your one-on-one time with God. And so, like, I feel like, you know, I didn't read Brandon's book yet, but like the way he's talking about all these stories is talking, he's talking, he's mentioning these stories. And I think stories are great because you can yeah. read the story and then you apply that to yourself as opposed to somebody giving you an application. So there you go, people. That's how I think about a book I've never read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's just funny the way it came out and everything. <laughs> I I did read the book. It is it is fantastic. I mean, what else? I mean, you, I don't do have much say? else to say after that entire interview. <laughs> like, like I said, it's Just not a self help book. book. Just you gotta, buy the book. Oh, mentioning we talked about the story and his um, praying his breathing chapter. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm saying that right. I'm not looking at anything right now. Uh, he tells a story in there. Uh, about a mother who lost her 15 year old son who was part of their house church. Yeah. I remember when that happened and yeah, you need to buy the book just to read that story. Um, you'll grow. Hmm. And and like I said, any book that I finish reading and it makes me want to build my relationship with Christ. Like I finished reading his book and I immediately opened up John 17 and started because it just made me think of that prayer and I wanted to read that prayer. Like it made me want to do that. Hmm. It's a good book. And I think you should, I think you should buy it. And after you buy it, I think you should give it a five-star review on whatever website that you buy it from. I know you're setting me up for a five-star review blog. I am. But I'm not going to take it. No. I'm, I'm just, so excluding our first episode, yeah. I feel like our last three episodes have been very Jesus-centric. I want all of them to be very jesus I know, I know. But I'm just saying, in particular, like when I was thinking about it today, like we're going to talk with Brandon. We, we we talked about Jesus and what it means to be a Christian last week. And then yeah. we also had Keith on two weeks ago. And I'm just thinking about just these this three-episode lineup here. And I'm like, gosh, yeah, it is very Jesus-centric. And that makes me think like, okay, like... If, if anything else, people can't say that we don't talk about Jesus on this podcast. And I want to be a podcast that is continuously talking about Jesus and putting Jesus on that pedestal because he's worthy yeah. to take that spot. Yeah, I, I want to see people see us working through things. We don't have everything figured out. There are things that I thought I had figured out that I realized I did not have that figured out. Nope. But to keep Jesus the central theme is what we're going to keep doing until our Halloween episode which is just going to be ghost stories a blast we have got the most amazing guest do you not want to mention nope just because you know what happens the moment we name a guest 
something happens, it doesn't work out, I am pumped. I've been trying to get this guy on for a long time. He's hard to track down. He's blind. So wow. a little little hint, little <laughs> teaser, throw that out there. Um, it's the ghost of Ray Charles. He's coming on the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> anyway, so Jason, you mentioned five-star reviews. Yep. Uh, as we're wrapping this thing up, we are on the social medias. We are on the Facebook. We are on the Instagram. Uh, we are on... Twitter. Yeah, we're on Twitter. Lots of compliments and messages through the Facebook, which a lot of people use to con- connect with us and contact us, and we are greatly appreciative of that. I will say, I do not know how to work the stinking Facebook app on my phone. <laughs> so, if it takes me a while to respond, it's okay. It's on there. It's, it's on go- there. I will get to it. But, no, so... We, as, as, as many of you know, if you've, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, five-star reviews really help get our podcast in front of more eyes. We don't get or the ears, 40,000 plays ears. like we have without, a five without five-star reviews. So, and I'd, you're also helping get Jesus out there. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, because if, if we are talking about Jesus as much as we are, then I want more people to hear about it. Yeah. And so that's that's what I want. That's I want I want this podcast to be Jesus centric, and I want as many people to hear it, even just to be an encouragement. Or maybe there's somebody out there who doesn't believe in Jesus, and it maybe makes them think about it a little yeah, bit let's more. Let's work through some things and yeah. unify. And unify. But speaking of unity, well, no, speaking no, of Jesus, I'm gonna wrap. I just can, can I can one I sell thing. one more one, thing? Sell one more thing, and then we. Have you to can wrap support up. us on Patreon. Oh yeah, but not. I don't want to talk about Patreon actually. I just thought I'd throw we that have out. that. If you want to talk about Jesus on our podcast, you can write a five to ten minute sermon, record it, and we will we will put We're it on our podcast. Bringing it back? Yep, not your pastor's pulpit. Oh. Yep. We're not pastors. Neither are you. And if you are, don't contribute. You already do to your congregation who you are responsible for their very souls. This is for people who are not pastors who want to talk about Jesus. Send us your five to ten minute Jesus-centric sermon. It's got to be about Jesus. That's our one rule. If you break it, we won't post it. It's got to be about Jesus. We'll make you re-record it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh my gosh. But we would love to have you talk about Jesus on our podcasts. And it'll be your own little mini episode that you can share with your friends and we can share with the world. That's my best, like, radio voice. So, Jason, you, yeah. you mentioned unity earlier. Mm-hmm. I am completely enamored with the unity of this young Red Wings team right now. I'm so excited. Let's go rebuild. <laughs> But like, I know I know it's 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 the Detroit curse where we do really awesome in the preseason and then as soon as the regular season hits, it just takes a nosedive. But there's yeah. a little bit of excitement. They're within so me. fun to watch. That's all I want to see. They're not going to win a lot of games because they're going to make mistakes, right? Right. It's a bunch of young guys. There's going to be defensive breakdowns, be neutral zone breakdowns. But let's see some of those goals. Yes. Let's see like some of those, like Dennis Cholowski. <laughs> I can't even say his name right. One of our, fine. Just call one of our new defensemen on the power play the other night sends this perfect backhand saucer pass to Gustav Nyquist, who scores on a breakaway on the power play. 
I think it was against Snipe Toronto. Quest. But that backhand saucer pass got me so excited. It kind of like for the whole season. Like I'm excited to see the plays. I'm excited to see the growth. The creativity. Yeah. Hockey's not just a sport, it's an art form. It is. Absolutely. So, Jason, I think we've said this about the Red Wings many times before, but it bears repeating. What do you want to tell this young Red Wings team right now if they're listening? If they, well, if they're listening right now. Can I mention one player? Out of the whole group of youngsters. You know, it's a team effort, Jason. I know it's a team effort, but there's one guy who I think needs the encouragement more than the rest right now. Who is it? That's our new guy, Philip Zadina, our rookie, our first overall draft choice last year. 18 years old, man. Tough to crack into the league. 18? I know it. Isn't that nuts? He was born in 2000. Oh, my gosh. That's incredible. Aside from that. He got sent down to the minors to work on parts of his game. You know what? 18 years old, it's okay. You got plenty of time, buddy. I just want to say, keep your stick on the ice. You'll be back up in no time. Have a good one, everybody.